Hello and welcome back to the TTL, to Tani Talks Life, this year where we talk a topic per session with some practical lessons. Tonight's topic is what is real strength? All of my podcasts, the TTP, Tani Talks Parsha, TTPA, Tani Talks Perke Avos, TTOT, Tani Talks OT, and this live show, Tani Talks Life, and now the DAF show as well, are on all podcast forums, including iTunes Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and most recently, Yidpod. Shout out to Yidpod and Chaim Chernoff. Thank you. Wonderful, wonderful work getting us up there on the Jewish Podcast app service. Downloaded on the App Store. So the Tani Talks podcasts are on different podcast forums, especially Yidpod, the Jewish version of podcasts. Wonderful. Shout out to Time Charoff, as we said. Shout out to Jake W. and L.E.N. for their amazing hard work on sheer enjoyment. This year should be for the Rafua and Yeshua of anyone who wants and need. Please feel free to reach me at rebt at sheerenjoyment.com or tanitalkstaff at gmail or maximum tee at yahoo. And the shear should be Lezecher Nishmas, Rabbi Lord Chief Rabbi Jonathan Sachs Zetzal, Alava Shalom, whose yard site is tonight, Bol Bayom, Harav Yaakov Svi Ben David Arye. Rabbi Sachs was a wonderful, amazing, beautiful figure, a, a tremendous, tremendous person, a spokesman of the Jewish people. There was just a wonderful program we saw on Zoom commemorating the first yard site of his passing. He had a wonderfully rich life, a very interesting upbringing. One beautiful quote and mantra from Rabbi Sachs himself, he used to say, Non-Jews are comfortable with Jews who are comfortable with themselves. Non-Jews are uncomfortable with Jews who are uncomfortable with themselves. So as we start the shir, we start the lecture, think about that quote. A person that really is a strong person is someone who can have the strength, the fortitude, the ability to stand up for their Judaism, stand up for their Jewishness, be comfortable in their own skin, be comfortable being a practicing, wonderful, upright Jew. That is the kind of a strong person your neighbor, the non-Jews around you, your co-workers will stand up for will be proud of and will be able to handle when a person tries to assimilate, tries to hide their Jewishness, tries to be embarrassed from the Jewishness, that's the person that's not strong enough to stand up for what we're supposed to stand up with. The question is though, who is the strongest person you know? What makes them strong? The question also is, what type of strength are you thinking about when we ask that question? Strength is not in muscles, it's not in weights, it's not in dumbbells, it's not in medicine balls. Strength is from inner character and inner conviction. As Perkyavis tells us, and this is a mantra that we're going to go by for tonight's sheer, tonight's lecture, and we'll see it again later, God willing, then Zoma S and Dalit Aleph. Four one. We talk about this on the TTPA. We'll get to it, God willing, later in the season. Ben Zama asks, "Ezahu Gibor Hakovish Es Yitzro. Who is a strong person? He who conquers, overpowers his inclinations, his desires, his urges, his bad traits, his bad midos. A truly strong person is not the bodybuilder from Muscle Beach in Guadalajara. The truly strong person is one who works on himself, trying to overcome himself." Take the example of sleep. I personally would like nothing more than to sleep in late every single day, every day. When the alarm goes off at 6 in the morning, I'd like to toss it on the floor until 9 a.m. But of course, I can't do that. Mind you, the little boys come running into the room anyway well before 6 a.m. 
But there's just too much to do. There's too much to get ready for everyone to get out to school, to get out to work way, way before by 8 a.m. We have to get going. It definitely is not easy for me on any level. I have to fight within my strength. I have to have this within myself to have the strength to get out of bed, to get started on the day every day. It takes much inner work, much inner strength. It takes our ability to use the strength every single day getting up. We have to get in. We have to be able to get in. And we have to make sure that we have the inner strength to do so. We have to harness our inner strength. We have to get going. So what is real strength? The strength to work on ourselves, to overcome ourselves, to fine-tune our insights and our traits, which is one of the major life missions of all of us. The patriarchs come to mind when I think of inner strength. I think of Avraham withstanding his 10 tests, being the only real Jew in the world, as we are now going through the three partial relating to Avraham, especially with this week of Chayasar, when Avraham must find the strength to deal with the loss of his beloved wife. Avraham was the one real Ivri. Why was he called Ivri? Because he was Avraham Nahar. He was the one against the grain, the entire Jewish, not Jewish, the entire world was a, for polytheism, was into idol worship. His own father, Terah, had an idol shop. Avram himself was the one against everyone else. He was the only one that was into monotheism, the only one that recognized Hashem. Some say at the age of three, some say 40, some say 20. Whatever it was, Avram was early in his life understanding against the whole world, against all the non-believers, all the idol worshippers on earth. Where did he have such strength? Where did he have such inner conviction? You can think of Yitzchak having the inner strength we just saw in Vayera of the Akedas Yitzchak to willingly almost sacrifice himself on the Akedah. He told his own dad, Avraham, I'm a young man, I might jerk, I might move around, tie me down. You think of Yaakov with all his struggles throughout his whole life. Further on, we could think of David HaMelech and his very difficult life, as well as Rabbi Akiva who started late in life and lost so much, starting from abject poverty at age 40. When I think of a tremendously strong person in recent past decades, I think of the Kloisenberger Rebbe, whose family was very close with my wife's grandfather's family. Wikipedia actually has a beautiful whole description about the Kloisenberger Rebbe, Rabbi Yakusio Yehuda Halberstam. Rabbi Halberstam was born on January 10, 1905 and passed away June 18, 1994. He was an Orthodox rabbi, of course, and the founding Rebbe of the Sons Kloisenberg Hasidic dynasty. Rabbi Halberstam became one of the youngest rabbis in Europe, leading thousands of followers in his town of Kloisenberg, Romania, before World War II. His wife, eleven children, and most of his followers were murdered by the Nazis while he was incarcerated in several concentration camps. After the war, he moved to the United States and later to Israel, rebuilt Jewish communal life in the displaced persons camp of Western Europe, reestablished his dynasty in the United States and Israel, founded a Haredi neighborhood in Israel, and a Sans community in the United States, established a hospital in Israel, run according to Jewish law, and rebuilt his own family with a second marriage and the birth of seven more children. Wow. You have to take a break after seeing those amazing things put thing after thing after thing in one paragraph in one snapshot of a life. The Rebbe's decision to move to the United States was not a permanent one. Throughout his travails in the Holocaust, he always had in mind the goal of settling in Israel. Toward that end, he established the Kiryat Sons neighborhood in the beachside city of Natani, where, where my wife and I visited, beautiful, beautiful city, in 1958. 
In so doing, he was the first Rebbe to establish a Haredi neighborhood in an Israeli development town. Over the next few years, he raised money for the establishment of key neighborhood institutions, including girls' and boys' schools and yeshivas, an orphanage and an old-age home. The Rebbe moved permanently to Israel in 1960, settling in Netanya and directing both the community there and in Williamsburg. He also founded Batei Midrashim and schools in other cities in Israel, established the Kiryat Sans neighborhood of Jerusalem as well. In 1968, he founded another Sans community in Union City, New Jersey, afterward divided his time between that community and his residence in Netanya. The Rebbe is known for having established Laniato Hospital, a voluntary not-for-profit 484-bed hospital in Kiryat Sans, Netanya. Hospitals run according to Jewish law halacha. The vision for establishing the hospital originated during the Holocaust at the cornerstone laying for the second building in 1980. He told those present in Yiddish, I was saved from the gas chamber, saved from Hitler, Yamach Shimon. I spent several years in Nazi death camps, he said. Besides for the fact they murdered, they took away my whole family, my wife, 11 children, my mother, my sisters, and my brother. Of my whole family, some 150 people, the rabbi said, I was the only one who survived. I witnessed their cruelty. I remember as if it were today how they shot me in the arm. I was afraid to go to the Nazi infirmary, though there were doctors there. I knew that if I went in, I'd never come out alive. Despite my fear of the Nazis, Yimach Shemo, many times over, I plucked a leaf from a tree, stuck it to my wound to stanch the bleeding. Then I cut a branch and tied it around the wound to hold it in place. With God's help, it healed in three days. Then I promised myself then that if with God's help I got well and got out of there, away from those Rashatan, those wicked, terrible, terrible people, I would build a hospital in Eretzisol where every human being would be cared for with dignity. And the basis of that hospital would be that the doctors and nurses would believe that there is a God in this world and that when they treat a patient, they are fulfilling the greatest mitzvah in the Torah. Such strength, such inner strength in this person. Rabbi Halberstam spent 15 years raising funds to build the hospital, which would come to be named Laniato Hospital after the Laniato brothers, two bankers from Switzerland, whose estate provided a 300 grand donation for the Rebbe. The hospital's first building, an outpatient clinic, opened in 1975. In the next few years, a maternity ward, an emergency room, internal medicine department, cardio unit, intensive care unit all opened. The hospital continued to expand today and encompasses two medical centers, a children's hospital, a geriatric center, and a nursing school, serving a regional population of over 450,000 people. The Rebbe continued to plan and supervise the expansion of the hospital until his death in 1994. In addition to the achievements in rebuilding the Sons-Klosenberger dynasty and establishing many communal institutions, one of the Rebbe's most far-reaching accomplishments was the establishment of Mephal Hashas, the Talmud factory, in 1982. This worldwide project encourages thousands of Jewish men and boys to study copious amounts of Talmud and Shulchan Aruch and complete written tests on 20 to 30 pages per month in return for a monthly stipend. Mephal Hashas continues to operate today worldwide. Can you imagine such strength of character, such strength of spirit to go through such tragedy, such unspeakable tragedy, and come out so strong and accomplish so much? It's completely mind-boggling and amazing. Simply amazing. Chabad.org points out from Mendel Kalmanson, in difficult moments, many have found encouragement in a pivotal, inspiring teaching of the Rebbe from Lubavitch based on the words of the Talmud. God does not 
make impossible demands on his creations. Just it is just as it is inconceivable that loving parents would knowingly give their child a task that is beyond their capabilities, God, our loving parent, does not present us with a challenge that is beyond our capacity to meet. The Rebbe took the idea a step further, teaching that the greater the challenge we face in life, the greater is the accompanying inner strength we possess in order to overcome the challenge. As the following story demonstrates in the Rebbe's worldview, challenges of any kind are indicative of inner strength, not weakness. A traditional Jew who found himself in a relationship forbidden by the Torah once visited the Rebbe to discuss his religious quandary. After presenting his situation to the Rebbe, the man fell silent. He braced himself for a rebuke, expecting to be told how grave a transgression he was committing. The Rebbe was silent for a little while. I envy you, he finally said. The young man did not quite grasp the meaning. The Rebbe, he thought, who is on the highest of spiritual planes, is envious of me? The Rebbe continued, there are many ladders in life. Each person is given his or her own ladder. The ladder presents themselves as life's challenges and difficult choices. The tests you face are the ladders that elevate you to great heights. The greater the challenge, the higher the ladder. God has given you this difficult test because he believes you can overcome it and has endowed you with the ability to do so. Only the strongest are presented a ladder as challenging as yours. Don't you see then why I envy you? Along similar lines, the Rebbe wrote a letter to a young man who wrote to him describing the difficult moral and religious dilemma he faced in February of 1986 from Brooklyn. The Rebbe wrote, Greeting and blessing. This is to acknowledge receipt of your letter on January 26, in which you write about a serious problem. As requested, I'll remember you in prayer for the fulfillment of your heart's desire for good. Needless to say, by the way, as a side, the Rebbe had a beautiful vision of creating such wonderful things around the world of outrage, shluchim, and he sent many, many people around the world, and they still go based on his word today, even though there's no current Rebbe, they still go based on the Lubavitcher Rebbe, the most recent one in the past, and, and there's outreach, beautiful Jewish outreach, Lubavitch goes all over the world, even when there's barely any Jews in the community, there's a beautiful movie about it also, I forget where my wife and I saw it, but it was about these two Lubavitcher Rebbe's in Africa looking for Jews, amazing work they do, but that's just a side, such strength of character as well. Needless to say, a person who is afflicted with this or other neurological problems may well ask, why has God created such a compulsive drive? One is that direct contradiction to his moral code. Why has he afflicted me, who desires to comply fully with, fully with his commandments? No human being can answer such questions, which only God the Creator can answer. One observation that could be suggested in relation to the question, why me? If an individual experiences a particular difficult or trying situation... It may be assumed that God has given him extraordinary powers to overcome the extraordinary difficulty. The individual concerned is probably unaware of his real inner strength. The trial may therefore be designed for the sole purpose of bringing out in the individual his hidden strength, which after overcoming his problem can be added henceforth to the arsenal of his revealed capacities in order to utilize both for infinitely greater achievement for the benefit of himself and others. Maimonides, the Rambam, and the Mora Nebuchim, guide of the perplexed of his generation, and all subsequent generations, who is also claimed as the greatest physician of his time, declares in a well-known passage in his famous code in the Mishnah Torah, the Achazaka, 
Every person has the option, the power, if he so desires to direct himself to do only good and be a tzaddik, or if he chooses to follow the bad road and be a rasha, God forbid. Do not ever think that a person is predestined from birth to be a tzaddik or rasha, nor is there any inner compulsion to make a choice. One has the capacity to choose the right behavior. And is entirely a matter of one's own will and determination. As the Rebbe made clear on many occasions, the idea that God does not give human beings greater challenges that they can handle applies to all of life's challenges, not just moral and religious ones. In the summer of 1976, the Israeli Defense Forces sponsored a tour of the United States for a large group of disabled veterans. While they were in New York, a Lubavitcher Chassid came to their hotel to suggest that they meet with the Rebbe. When the group accepted the invitation, arrangements were quickly made to transport them. Many of them were wheelchair-bound to the Rebbe's headquarters. Soon they found themselves in the famous large synagogue in the basement of 770 Eastern Parkway. After apologizing after apologizing to the group for his Ashkenazi accented Hebrew, the Rebbe delivered a short address in which he said, If a person has been deprived of a limb or a faculty, this itself indicates that God has given him special powers to overcome the limitation this entails and to surpass the achievements of ordinary people. You are not disabled or handicapped, but special and unique as you possess potentials that the rest of us do not. I therefore suggest, the Rebbe continued, adding with a smile, of course it is none of my business, but Jews are famous for voicing opinions on matters that do not concern them, that you should no longer be called Neche Yisrael, the disabled of Israel, their official designation by the ADF, but Mitsuyane Yisrael, the special of Israel. After delivering his address, the Rebbe walked among the group, going from wheelchair to wheelchair, shaking their hands, adding a personal word or two to each. He also gave each a dollar bill to contribute to charity on behalf, which he was very famous for doing, making them his partners in the fulfillment of a mitzvah. It was the Rebbe's staunch and empowering belief that all challenges, as impossible and insurmountable as they may seem, are accompanied by a commensurate reservoir of fortitude and inner strength, empowering us to reach deeper into ourselves and muster the courage and conviction necessary to forge ahead on our life's journey. The Rebbe taught that a challenge is a calling and that tribulations sprinkled throughout our lives are there in order to bring us into closer contact with our deeper or higher selves. What a tremendous outlook to have and to be reminded as to how we should view different struggles and challenges in life. Rabbi Beryl Wine points out on RabbiWine.com, When we finish a book of the Torah, we're privileged to participate in the traditional Jewish custom of reciting publicly the blessing, Chazak, Chazak, Venis Chazak. This blessing is proclaimed at the conclusion of the reading of one of the five books of Moshe, one of the five books of the Torah. This custom is an ancient one dating back to Talmudic times in Babylonia and the land of Israel. The blessing literally means be strong, be strong, and let us strengthen ourselves. Let us be strengthened. The usual interpretation given to the recitation of this phrase when concluding the reading of one of the books of the Torah is that we should strengthen ourselves for further Torah readings and greater accomplishments in Torah knowledge and Jewish life. But why the use of the verb that symbolizes strength, be strong? Would it not be more sensible to say, Lamad, Lamad, Vinilmad? Study, studying will be learned. What does strength have to do with the completion of a book of the Torah? It is obvious that the above custom and its blessing has little to do with physical strength, though health and bodily strength are certainly necessary for normal life and any spiritual or intellectual achievements. The custom is therefore based upon the unique Jewish definition of strength, of an inner characteristic of strength and purpose, will and morality. The rabbis and others taught us who is a strong person, one who has the strength to overcome one's base desires. Thus, 
Self-control, moral probity, modesty of behavior, and personality are the components of true Jewish strength. It is therefore most fitting that the blessing of strength is recited publicly at the conclusion of the reading of one of the books of the Torah. For the entire lesson to be learned from that holy book that we have just concluded reading and learning from is the message of Jewish inner spiritual strength, probity of behavior, and of self-discipline. We are a strong people, perhaps ultimately the strongest of all peoples, because of our inner strength. Balaam, no friend of ours, nevertheless compared us to a lion. Rome thought of the Jews as being their strongest enemy and most unconquerable foe. Even the anti-Semites, who are unfortunately currently abound, emphasize their attribute of strength. This leads them to their belief in the real plausibility of their cockeyed conspiracy theories about how the Jews run the world. But they misread our strength. Our strength lies in our faith and our loyalty to God and His Torah, to the traditions of Israel, to the mitzvahs, to the chesed, to making the world a better place that have nurtured us for thousands of years. There is also a special ceremony that custom dictates to take place at the conclusion of a tractate of the Mishnah or Talmud. Some sort of festive meal usually accompanies that ceremony called a siyam, which literally means the ending. The siyam itself involves the recitation of a blessing, thanking God for the privilege of studying his Torah and for being able to celebrate the completion of one of the tractates of Mishnah or Talmud. The ceremony also includes a commitment to study further and to return and review once again the tractate just completed. In fact, most times the siyam ceremony includes the actual beginning of study of another tractate of Mishnah and Talmud. This is to indicate the infinity of Torah study and that there really never is any end point to the pursuit. This is also in line with the custom practice of Samchas Torah. Immediately after the Chassam Torah has completed the reading of the cycle of the entire five books of Moshe in Vizos Abracha, the Chassam Bereshis begins the cycle anew by reading of the first chapter of the Torah of Bereshis. At a Siyam, traditionally a Hadron lecture is developed by a scholar. The Hadron concentrates on a certain subject covered in the tractate that has just been completed and also connects to the subject matter of the new tractate that will now be studied. There are many great books of Jewish scholarship based solely on the lectures of Hadron. The Siyam always concludes with a prayer for strength to be able to continue studying Torah and with a special text of Kaddish regarding the redemption of Israel, Zion, and Jerusalem. The prophet Zechariah taught... Us, not by physical strength, nor by physical power alone shall you prevail, but rather by the strength of my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And so it is. So our strength, our true strength, comes from strength of inner will and strength of inner character. What is real strength? Inner conviction and inner ability to fight the battles within and to fight the battles, the spiritual battles around us. Rabbi Wine also points out on H.com, the rabbis of the Talmud said that Israel is the strongest and boldest of all nations. This was meant both as criticism of Jewish brashness and aggressiveness and a compliment to the tenacity and singleness of purpose of the Jewish people. Only a very strong people could have withstood and survived the events of the centuries of the Jewish story. The strength of Israel was built upon an inner sense of self-worth, of being chosen and unique. It encompassed an iron determination to build and create and prosper and survive, no matter what the odds or the opposition. Our strength was built upon a vision of a better world and a holy future. It provided strength when we were obviously physically weak and persecuted. We as a nation are truly strong when we all stand together with common purpose and a common goal without divisiveness within us. Dr. Morinus points out on H.com, in Musser thought, The strength that concerns us is not the power to move mountains, but the strength you need to overcome your greatest challenge. 
yourself. This is an especially important concern for our generation because we live surrounded by a culture that exuberantly celebrates complete self-indulgence, the very opposite quality from self-restraint. It's true that not everyone needs to develop self-restraint. Some people are already masters of saying no to themselves who do much better to foster soul traits that will help them loosen up and unbind themselves. But still, everyone still has much to gain from this exploration, even if Gavura is not a major subject on your curriculum at this time. Self-restraint works for us in a positive way when it helps us to say no to those desires that are not nourishing. Self-restraint is negative when it keeps us from doing things that are actually good for the soul. Saying no to ourselves is not a hugely popular concept today. Look at the significant portion of the population that is obese. Even among those who do not want to hold their body weight within a healthy line, many prefer diet pills to the disciplined act of pushing away the plate. How can so many people continue to smoke cigarettes in the face of all the proof that is nothing less than suicide? And among those who would stop sales of anti-smoking products boom because people can't simply stop themselves from striking the match. Exercising self-restraint has always been difficult. Perhaps that's why the Hebrew word Gevura contains the Hebrew word for hero, Gibor. We've talked about what a real hero is in a different life lecture. Exercising self-restraint is nothing less than a heroic act. You can be a hero by saying no to that chocolate. Just say no. You can fill in your own place of dynamic challenger. Maybe it's coffee, wine, television, lottery tickets, pulp fiction, whatever. Where in your life do you have difficulty saying no to your wishes? The Jewish tradition in no way condemns our wishes per se. We have no tradition of monastic or priestly staying away from getting married. Wine is sacramental. Feasting is more common than fasting. Although we do have six days, which are very difficult for me personally. The issue is not the need itself because the rabbis recognize that it is a constructive force in life. We read in a Medrash and Bereshit Rabbah that the world would not exist but for need. Because without it, no one would parent a child, no one would build a house, and no one would make a career. But the picture changes drastically when it's allowed to go unbridled. Without fences and limits, our otherwise healthy wishes become a source of enslavement. The Jewish tradition provides us with many laws and communal guidelines to help us restrain our needs. You shall not kill, you shall not steal, etc. Though these commandments for self-restraint are actually not enough to guide a spiritual life, as soon as we encounter rules, it seems to be human nature to start to get very clever about finding ways to gratify our wishes, even within the parameters of the rules. We have to find healthy outlets, otherwise known as sublimation in psychology defense mechanism thought. Yes, I was a psych major in undergrad in Yeshiva University. My bachelor's is in psych. So we talk about this defense mechanism. We need sublimation, taking a need and putting it in a healthy, constructive, functional outlet to push our wishes and needs into proper outlets. We need to make sure to use our strength to put and push our wishes through in proper manners. Here's a wonderful story from Nisana Yoasafran from H.com, talking about strength, about how other people can give us a little strength. Sorry, kid, I can't help you. The door slammed closed before Matt even had a chance to say thanks anyway. It had been one hard afternoon. He and his friend Gary had been so full of energy and enthusiasm when they began the rounds trying to sell raffle tickets to raise money for their school's annual charity drive for the local children's hospital. The pair who sold the most, besides doing a good deed, would also win a big prize. But it had been a lot harder than they thought, and two hours later, the guys had given up on the prize and were feeling pretty down about the whole thing. What do you say, Gary? Should we call it quits? Matt asked. 
Darius shrugged. I don't know. We have one more street we're supposed to do. I don't imagine we'll do any better here than the other streets, but we might as well try and do a few more houses, don't you think? Yeah, I guess so. We reluctantly agreed, and the two of them decided to save time by splitting up, each taking one side of the street. Matt took a deep breath as he shuffled up the driveway of the first house on the street. He still had so many unsold tickets. A few people had bought them, but a lot of people seemed really annoyed when asked, Why are you bothering me? Get out of my house. Leave me alone. Matt hesitated as he nervously got ready to ring the doorbell. He pushed the small red button, ding dong, and braced for the worst. The door slowly opened. Why, hello there, came a surprisingly cheerful voice. Matt looked up to see an elderly woman with smiling eyes. She didn't look familiar, but from her greeting, Matt wondered if she knew him. And how can I help you today, she asked. Um, I, I'm selling raffle tickets for a school charity drive, he quickly stammered. This was the point where a lot of people had closed the door on him. Really? She smiled. That's fantastic. A young fellow like you would take off from a holiday of playing to do such a good deed? Matt was taken aback by the lady's comment and felt himself straightening up as she continued to speak. Now you stay right there, young man. I'll be right back. Maybe I'm actually going to sell a ticket, Matt thought to himself. A moment later, the woman returned. I'm sure you must be pretty hungry and thirsty after working so hard for such a good cause. This nice cold drink should hit the spot, and you came at the right time. These cookies are straight from the oven. Matt's mouth watered as the lady invited him to sit down. You should be so proud of yourself to be working hard to help make sick children's lives more pleasant. Would you like another cookie? She asked. Matt looked at his watch. No thanks. They were great, but actually, I've got to get going. I've got to get going on the way. He said, standing up and turning to leave. Just for those who are on Zoom, it might kick us out, but please come back because we only have a, a short time limit, but it'll still be on, so please come back. So no thanks, but they were great, but I actually have got to get going, he said, standing up and turning to leave. Not until I buy a ticket first, the lady smiled and pulled a bill out of her handbag. Matt blushed. He had felt so good just being there and hearing all her encouragement that he had forgotten even to ask. She wished him the best of luck and waved him as he walked down the driveway. The snack and drink, and especially the lady's kind encouraging words, made him feel so much better than he had just felt a few minutes ago. He got on the sidewalk to find his friend Gary sitting on a bench, his head hanging down. How'd it go? asked Matt with a new sense of energy and excitement. Not good, Gary replied. They wouldn't even open the door. Let's just call it a day. Hey, what are you so happy about? You just sell all your tickets or something? No, only one, but the lady was so nice and encouraging. Then, looking at his down-looking friend, Matt got an inspiration. If positive, encouraging words helped him so much, why not pass them along? Hey, Gary, do you realize what a fantastic thing it is that you're trying to do, even if it's hard? What do you say we finish it out to the end of the street? Let's give it our best shot. Gary sat up a bit straighter and smiled for the first time in hours. Okay, he said. Matt didn't know how much money they would raise, but he already felt rich from learning from that special lady the secret of how to raise another person's spirits. Sometimes, strength doesn't come from the gym. It comes from a kind act, a kind deed, kind words, encouraging speech from those right around you. A person can give you strength, Real spiritual and physical strength by hearing you out, talking to you, giving you a snack, and helping you recharge. H.com points out on the daily lift, why don't people like to remain silent 
when others insult them because they're afraid that others might think they're weak and unable to answer back. The truth is, it takes much greater strength to remain silent when someone insults you. Revenge, on the other hand, is a sign of weakness. A revenger lacks the necessary strength of character to forgive. And this comes from Rabbi Yerachmiel Shulman from the Kitzai Sashemesh Bigvorosov from page 42 and Rabbi Pliskin's Gateway to Happiness, page 302. The best way often to answer a nasty person, a narcissistic person, an aggressive bully, an aggressive person is sometimes not to answer at all or to answer in a soft, gentle tone. I personally have had bosses and encounters when being yelled at or demeaned demanded an answer and they were waiting for one but instead I purposefully either did not answer at all or answered in a soft gentle tone and that really kicks them off of their horse it takes a lot of work and a lot of willpower but it does work Rabbi Heller points out on H.com just as achieving peak physical health requires one on working on one's core strength, so to achieving peak spiritual health requires working on one's emotional core strength. A person who has a strong core self will be able to take on most anything life throws at him. He will experience life with vitality, passion, and empowerment. He'll be moving towards developing and actualizing his unique creative potential while being able to form deep, intimate relationships without fear of losing himself. Someone with a weak core self will find himself struggling with taking ownership of his life, developing his unique creative potential, and building stable, intimate relationships. There are 12 questions that Rabbi Heller points out on H that can really help you evaluate the strength of your core self. Each question is a question that should be scaled on a scale of 1 to 5 for yourself. You should be fully honest. No one but you will see this. And again, I invite you to find the article on H.com from Rabbi Heller talking about physical and spiritual health, but I'll read the questions anyway for us to think about. The number one question is, and we should rate on a scale of 1 to 5 how, how much it applies to us. I accept myself fully with my limitations, weaknesses, and flaws without shame or self-hate. 1 to 5. Number 2. I have the capacity to experience a wide range of feelings without being overwhelmed or paralyzed by them. All these questions you rate 1 to 5. Number three, I take full responsibility for my life while refusing to blame others or circumstances. Number four, I can experience deep closeness and emotional intimacy without fear of being abandoned or engulfed by the other person. Number five, I'm able to tell others the truth about how I feel with minimal anxiety. Number six, I have the ability to consistently find creative and satisfying solutions to my problems and life challenges. I have the ability to stick to commitments I make. Seven, Eight, I feel deserving of having good things in life happen for me. Nine, I am able to consistently assert myself in order to get my needs met without shame, guilt, or aggressiveness. Ten, I can disagree with others and still respect and love them. This one the whole world should learn. I can handle criticism and rejection well and regain my equilibrium fairly quickly. Twelve, I am generally content with my portion and I'm not jealous or envious of others. If your score on these 12 questions is 50 to 60, 5 points each, you are a very solid and emotionally healthy person. And you didn't need this test to tell you that because you and your friends already knew it. If you score between 25 and 50, it is suggested you consider doing some self-help work in order to improve your emotional core strength. The real problem 
is if you score 24 or below. Although this is not a scientific test, the guess is that such a score indicates that you are not an emotionally strong person and should seek out someone to help you work on yourself. Working with a good psychotherapist may be the most effective way to strengthen your core self. I freely admit that recently I found a therapist through OHELP to help me. I lost my dad and my brother at a very, very young age. I never fully dealt with it. And he checks in with me 45 minutes a week through OHELP. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing just to be able to vent the feelings and talk it out with the therapist. And he's a nice, firm guy. I specifically wanted a Jewish Orthodox religious guy. So everyone can always be helped by someone else. I always say that everyone can benefit from OT, and I believe that everyone can also always benefit from those who can help with mental health. Everyone, even someone who thinks they're the most sound person, but anyone with anxiety, anybody with depression, anyone dealing with struggles or aggravation or this or that, anyone can be helped. Everyone can be helped. It's very beneficial. In fact, we read Jewish novels, my wife and I, where the author is a psychotherapist or married to a psychotherapist and lo and behold in every single book she brings in a therapist who magically saves the day it's not magic obviously but it's always very good to speak to person so if on this test if you go to the ish website you find this test you take it yourself and you see that you're below 24 it is very important to seek someone that can help you work through things and it's not a sign of weakness it's actually a sign of strength that you're recognizing that you have struggles, that you have difficulties, that you have problems. You know, anyone who deals with anything, an alcoholic, a gambler, low Leno, if they go to an AA meeting or they go to a GA meeting, Gamblers Anonymous or Alcoholics Anonymous or anyone that has any issue and they show up, that's already a wonderful first step because that shows they have the inner conviction, the inner strength to demand a solution and then they acknowledge the problem. So it's not a sign of weakness to have a therapist, to work with a therapist, to show up to a meeting, to need support, to go to meetings, support meetings, have a mentor. These are all signs of actual emotional strength, inner strength, inner conviction, because these are the people who are taking the steps forward to try to work on themselves. People that never dealt with their things, who never talked to a therapist, who dealt with losses, dealt with things, who never dealt with things. That's someone that really needs the help, really needs the strength. People should always have support, always have support systems, and there are many wonderful organizations out there. A person can also work on inner strength in a few ways. You can work on self-acceptance. Acceptance gives us peace, wholeness, and strength. We might not agree with what Hashem throws at us, but we have to accept it. Stop comparing yourself to others. Don't copy someone else. Live your own life. Yeah, okay, so Johnny has a 15-acre lot, and I have a 40 by 100 lot. I don't care. Johnny is Johnny, and Tani is Tani. Hashem gave me exactly what we need. Exactly what I need, and I'm very happy with my lot, pun intended, in life. Don't compare yourself to others. Don't say yes when you mean to say no. Be honest about what you need and want. Take care of yourself. Stop caring so much about what others think. Do what you really want to take care of yourself. Do what you really want to do to help. If you show up in a party and something is too triggering for you, get out of the party. It doesn't matter if there's a thousand family members, a thousand friends, and everyone's out there and everyone wonders, where did Tani go? Where did Johnny go? Where did Charlie go? doesn't matter. You need to do what you can to take care of yourself. Don't say yes when it's really going to hurt you more. You have to take care of yourself, your spouse, your kids. Number one priority, you and your spouse and your kids. Everyone else is secondary. The number one thing in life you didn't marry your third cousin, Johnny. You married your wife. You married your husband. They are the number one priority. Number two priority, yes, before kids, because a strong marriage equals strong children. And this is a big misnomer. We just saw an article about this, my wife and I, the other week. 
And the the the, misner, the 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 misnomer is that when it comes to different things, we have to make sure to be able to do those things. We have to make sure to know that recording in progress. When we come to do things, sorry about that. We just rejoined the Zoom. When we come to different things, we have to realize that we have to take care of ourselves first. We have to make sure to take care of ourselves first. And that's why it doesn't matter who, what, where, and what other things. You yourself are the ones you have to take care of first. Your spouse is first. Your children are next. You take care of your spouse. Your children will be taken care of. And then the rest of the family comes and your friends come. People make the mistake thinking, oh, I'm going to run a chesed mission here, a chesed mission there. Really, in the end... We have to understand that really in the end, we are the ones to take care of things. We have to take care of ourselves. People are too jumping to do chesed in Jersey when your family's in Long Island. They're running to Texas when really your family's here. Chesed, tzedakah starts in the home. It doesn't start in Jersey. It doesn't start in Texas. Chesed definitely starts in the home. And everything starts in the home. Don't run to Texas. Don't run to Florida. Don't run to Israel before you take care of your wife and kids. They always come first. So don't say yes when you mean no. Think for yourself, act for yourself, take care of yourself and your family. Give yourself permission to make mistakes, do tshuva, that's the whole idea. There's a Gemara, a sage that says, when should you do tshuva, students? And they say, I don't know, Rebbe, when should we do tshuva? And Rebbe says, do it a day before you die. And the students say, Rebbe, do we know when we're going to die, Lo'aleinu? Rebbe says, today could be your last day, God forbid. So every day you should say tshuva, because every day could be the last day of your life, and then all of your days will be done in tshuva. Every day we make mistakes, and every day we should apologize for them to those who we mistakes to. We make mistakes too, and to Hashem Himself. And thereby, there's a beautiful tefillah that at the end of the night we forgive everyone around us, and then Hashem will hopefully forgive us too. Give yourself permission to make mistakes, but do tshuva, and know that no matter what, God always loves you and always values you. A person has to first and foremost take care of themselves, be there for themselves, make sure they are of sound mind and pace, to have proper strength internally with eating, sleeping, writing, and everything, and having self-care in all ways. You have to take care of yourself, and then you can make sure that you're the best spouse and dad or mom that you could be, and then you can be the best daughter or the best son or the best this or the best friend. First, yourself. Slowly, Young Rice Wolf, who is the daughter of Robinson Young Rice, explains on H.com, amidst all the chaos, chaos, we have the power to bring light. King David says it best, the world is built through kindness. When the universe around you is falling down, you have the ability to raise it up. Compassion becomes a mighty force of strength that transforms sorrow into joy. Every time you connect with another soul, you create a link of unity. Hope for the future is born. Slovian Rice Wolf also points out on H.com, to be physically strong, we stop eating junk and start lifting weights. To be emotionally strong, let's do the same. Begin by getting rid of mental junk food. Feeding yourself unhealthy beliefs about your life, story, your potential to succeed, or blaming others accomplishes nothing. Ownership of your own life. Don't play victim. Don't vindicate other people. Don't throw the blame on anyone else. It's all on your own shoulders. You have to take responsibility for yourself. This is like downloading a virus on your laptop. You'd never do it because you know the harm it will cause. So why damage yourself emotionally? Start clearing out your emotional malware, the emotional viruses. Clear out unhealthy beliefs in yourself. Stop saying things like, I never win. No one ever likes my ideas. My life's impossible. We're doomed for failure if we see ourselves in a negative light. Also clear out unhealthy beliefs about others. Stop comparing your life. Stop resenting other people's success. Challenge yourself to get off Facebook, to get off Instagram, to get off TikTok, to get off Pinterest, to get off WhatsApp. 
to get off messaging and emails and internet a few hours a day. See what happens. Don't limit yourself by believing that other people control the way you live. Maybe there are people in your life who frustrate you, but you choose your reaction. Rabbi Sinyang Rai would always say, don't allow people to live in your head rent-free. Again, don't allow people to live in your head rent-free. Also clear out unhealthy beliefs about how life happens. We're used to getting whatever we want with the click of a button. We've forgotten how to wait for things. Amazon Prime delivers into our house in no time. We expect, we want, we get. Instant gratification makes life feel complicated when we don't have our dreams fulfilled quickly. If this is our attitude, we will be left feeling frustrated and disappointed. Ask, which unhealthy beliefs are preventing me from mastering my life? And make sure to exercise mental waves. Step one is to work your core muscles. This means that we identify our strengths, our values, and our beliefs. Let's ask ourselves these basic questions. Do I believe in my ability to succeed? What could I dedicate my time to? What type of person do I hope to become? Focus and clarify a life goal. My goal is to be on live Jewish radio. I want to spread my words on live Jewish radio. That is personally a tiny goal for me. I actually reached out to a Jewish radio personality last week and I touched base today. He told me to give me a few days, so hopefully, hopefully something happens. But that's one of my goals, one of my dreams. I also would love to be on TED Talks one day. Applied a couple times, never came through, but I'm very stubborn. I might apply again, Blaine Ender. So what could I have as my life goal? Think about for yourself what your life goal is. Set daily targets that are doable even if they may seem small. These goals can be character traits such as working on not losing it when things go wrong. An example is keeping control when you misplace your wallet. Where is my wallet? I can't do this. I can't do this. I actually had this actually two, a few days ago. My son's shoes were missing and it was driving me up the wall. I'm like, we pay for early drop-off. Early drop-off is 7.30, right? Where in the world is your shoe? It was 7.30, 7.40, 7.50. I'm like, oh my gosh, what's the point of early drop if I can't find your shoe? So that was very frustrating. We misplaced the shoe. We eventually found it. We eventually showed up. But every day is the ability to try to work against whatever triggers or stressors come in your life. And don't let things aggravate you. Don't let things bother you so much. Every little thing shouldn't become such a huge ballistic thing. I always tell people, you know, me and my wife make like thousands of decisions a day. So one little decision is so... Annoying and aggravating and, and problemsome for this guy and the other thing. My friend Johnny is so upset about this one thing. Johnny, do you know how many decisions I have to make on a daily basis? I have three kids that are six and under. Are you kidding me? So the, the thing is to keep control, to keep her cool when you misplace your wallet and things like that. Think of it as starting with five pound weights and increasing as time goes. Work your way up. What happens the next time someone says something that really angers you? What happens the next time? Step two, allocate your energy. If we, and this comes again from Slovi Youngrace, Wolf, the daughter of Rebbe Youngrace. If we use a huge amount focusing on worries or negativity or things that upset us or things that worry us, how much energy remains to think positive? If all day we're anxious, all day we're aggravated, all day we're upset, all day we're being triggered, we have no energy left to think positive. How could that be? I am a very positive person. I try to be. I really work on it. I really try, even with all the crazy, sad things that happened in my life until this point. But I, tr- I truly try to be positive. And of course, there are things that make me nervous and things that are stressors. But let the stressors go to my hair. Let it be gray. It used to be brown. It used to be black. Now it's gray, of course. But let it go to the hair. Let it not go anywhere else. You know. 
How much energy remains to think positive if we're worried the whole day, if we're anxious the whole day? And if you are anxious the whole day and there are no triggers, you should definitely seek someone to help because that can be GAD, generalized anxiety disorder, where there's no trigger and there's nothing and you're just thinking negatively, terribly, catastrophically. We learned about this in abnormal psych. Definitely works with working with someone would be very good. Clear away the habit of allowing others to discourage you, belittling your dreams, or placing you in worry mode. You can't strengthen your core by wasting energy needlessly. The moment your head starts taking you to a negative direction, stop. The moment your head starts taking you to a negative direction, stop. Counter the thought with a positive one. Negativity and worrying are brain drains. We require brain power to strengthen our mental fortitude. Step three. Find perspective. Perspective means that we decide to focus on the good or the purpose that every situation has. Yes, there may be times that it's difficult to see the positive. This translates into mental strength. In life, we often ask why. Why did this happen? Why did I have to go through this? In Hebrew, why translates into lama, which can be read lema, for what purpose? We don't simply ask why me. We move on to ponder. What is the purpose of this challenge? What can I learn? How can I grow? What is the potential here to discover something about myself that I never knew before? This brings us to endurance, to greatness, instead of giving in to failure. Perspective allows us to pick ourselves up and keep on walking despite the stress weighing us down. See the good now. Ask yourself how to strengthen your values and beliefs despite the disappointments. Success will come when you are able to handle life and maintain self-worth. Mental strength means that we overcome, we even triumph when life brings hardship. We need more strong moral role models in our lives, especially the lives of our children. We need to learn from those who created a life of blessing through living strong. We have been deluged with witnessing the failings of too many men and women who have succumbed to human frailty. Those who have had family members go through the Gehenna that was the Holocaust know about real strength. When you think of mental strength, you know you have been privileged to witness the power of the human spirit. Think about the Klausenberg Rebbe who we started off with. We should never be fed emotional junk food. Be aware of the ability to create, to find purpose, to keep walking, and never ever give up. Think of those whose entire family perished and began life anew, and never sink into sadness, but with the joy of life and purpose like the Klausenberg Rebbe. Rebbitson Youngers was once asked by a university student after she spoke, Rebbitson, you always have a smile on your face. You've gone through so much in life. The concentration camps, the loss of your husband. How can you always be smiling? Tell me, does your smile start on your lips or in your heart? The Rebbitson replied that she had never really thought about it, but now that she was asked the question, she realizes that her smile must start on her lips. In my heart, I have many worries. I know pain, but once I place a smile on my lips, it travels to my heart and makes everything easier. She demonstrated once again the power to endure, to create connection, to overcome, and not fall into despair despite the hardships we face. Each generation has its challenge. Each person faces his or her life test. We can discover the mental strength to endure and harness the spiritual fortitude that lies within our soul. Understand where real strength comes from. Think about how to get rid of the emotional junk food and the emotional bad habits. Think how to tap into the inner recesses of power to help you stand up and fight the evil around you and within you every single day. You'll be much better off for it. The world will be as well. And there's some other sources that we can look at as well. You know, Mishlei teaches us Tov Erech HaPayim Yigimur Moshe Baruch HaMiloch Eir from 1632. Better to be forbearing than mighty to have self-control than to conquer a city because real strength is that of the inside, not of the outside, of your inner muscles, not your physical outer ones. Perkevus 4, one that we started with. Benzoma Omer, Ezehu, Gibar, Akovish, Yitzhu, Shinemar, how do we know? 
במקום ערך אפיים מגיבור, ומשה ברוחו מלוך את עיר. Who is mighty? He who subdues his evil inclination, as it says, he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that rules his spirit is, is better than he that takes the city. Again, that's from the 1632 Pasuk right before this. So that's the strong, truly strong warrior, someone who works on his inner self, his true self, and put real effort into changing bad traits, bad minut, or bad qualities. Yermiyahu points out in chapter 9, Hashem explains, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the strong man glory in his strength, let not the rich man glory in his riches. But only in this should one glory, in this earnest devotion to me, for I, the Lord, act with kindness, with justice, and equity in the world. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. Real strength to be proud of is strength to make the world a better place, and to be involved in kindness, justice, and good things in the world through mitzvahs, chesed, and Torah learning. Mishlei also points out in 21, Ir giborim Allah chacham v'yored oz mivtach. One wise man prevailed over a city of warriors and brought down its mighty stronghold. Because a wise man can be stronger in many ways than a bodybuilder and use real might in the right ways. Avosuri Ben Anasim points out in 23, Who's the strongest? Only one who is able to conquer his desires, as we learn from Proverbs. One wise man prevailed over a city of warriors. Like we just saw the true warriors are warriors in Torah. As Talim points out, mighty warriors do his bidding. Some say these are the angels who serve God, but it's really someone who could turn an enemy to his friend or the Yitzhahara into the Yitzhahorov. And that's another point. Fighting the inner band inclination within us is a struggle and a daily battle. Someone who is able to fight every day and win, even most days or even some days, is really a strong person. Joshua Saran 5 points out what demands explanation helvers why a prophet must be strong and wealthy. Some interpret strong in this connection as asserting one's intellect over one's needs. And Yuma 69b points out, Rabbi Shulman Levi said, Why are the sages of the generation called the members of the great assembly, Anshi Knesset Sagadola, who brought us our davening? It is because they returned the crown of the Holy One Blessed Behi to his former glory. Because real strength is the inner conviction to stand up for Hashem, the Torah, its mitzvahs, and way of life. Gemara Megillah points out in 15b, the Gemara explains the verse which states, And for a spirit of justice to him that sits in judgment, for strength to them that turn back the battle to the gate from Yeshaya. For a spirit of justice is referring to one who brings his evil inclination to trial and forces himself to repent. To him that sits in judgment, this is referring to one who judges in absolutely true judgment. For strength refers to one who triumphs over his evil inclination. Because one who puts real effort to better his inner self Better is not only himself and his surroundings, but the world at large. Kohalas points out a nine, so I observe wisdom is better than valor. A poor man's wisdom is scorned, his words are not heeded. And Psachim, Gemara Psachim points out 112a. Rabbi Yehuda ben Tema Omer, Havi Az Kanamar, Vakal Kanesha, Ratz Katsvi, Vigibur, Ka'ari, Lasso, Rasson, Avicham, Hashem, Hashemim. This is also seen in Perkei Elvis. Rabbi Yehuda ben Tema says, Be bold like a leper, light like an eagle, run like a deer, be strong like a lion to do the will of your father in heaven. Because real strength is needed to do the will of Hashem, sometimes to do the opposite of the forces in society around us. Be strong with real proper inner strength to uphold the will of Hashem and the Torah and the Jewish lifestyle. Kovah Savavos points out in the third treatise in service of Hashem in 10, 6, 7, there are two other emotions, strength and timidity. The right occasion for showing strength is when you meet the enemies of Hashem to wage war against them. Strength is also in place to endure all the stress and trials fulfilling the will of the exalted Hashem. 
And the Mordechai Vilchim points out, part 238, every man possesses a certain amount of courage, otherwise he would not start to remove anything that might injure him. This physical force seems to me analogous to the physical force of repulsion. Energy varies like all the other forces, being great in one case and small in another. There are people who attack a lion while others run away by a mouse. One attacks a whole army and fights, another is frightened and terrified by the threat of a woman. This courage requires that there be a man's constitution a certain disposition for it. Because the point is, use your inner strength to fight the enemies of Hashem within yourself and outside with proper real strength of character and pride. And lastly, Gemara Brachos points out in 60a, Rabbi Abohu entered a bathhouse when the bathhouse floor collapsed beneath him. A miracle transpired on his behalf. He stood on a pillar and saved 101 men with one arm. He held one or two people in his arm while the others holding on to them and so on, so they were all saved. He said, this is the confirmation of the statement of Rav Acha, who said that one should offer thanks upon leaving the bathhouse safely. This is like the strength of Shimshon, a different kind of strength, but a strength in and of itself. We need to be spiritually strong and strong within ourselves. So the points are to think about. Real strength is that of the inside, not of the outside, of your inner muscles, not of your physical outer ones. The true strong warrior is someone who works on his inner self, his true self, and puts real effort into changing bad traits, bad meadows, or bad qualities. Real strength to be proud of is strength to make the world a better place, to be involved in kindness, justice, and good things in the world through mitzvot, chesed, and Torah learning. A wise man can be stronger in many ways than a bodybuilder, especially from Guadalajara, and use real might in the right ways. Fighting the inner bad inclination within us is a struggle and a daily battle. Someone who is able to fight every day and win, even most days or even Sundays, is really a strong person. Real strength is the inner conviction to stand up for Hashem, the Torah, its missiles, and a way of life. One who puts real effort to better his inner self, betters not only himself and surroundings, but the world at large. Real strength is needed to do the will of Hashem, sometimes the opposite of the forces in society around us. Be strong with the real proper inner strength to uphold the will of Hashem and the Torah and the Jewish lifestyle. Use your inner strength to fight the enemies of Hashem within yourself and outside with the proper real strength of character and spirit. This is and this, The strength of Shimshon, physical strength, is a different kind of strength. We need to be spiritually strong and strong within ourselves. Because when we talk about strength, when we talk about real strength, we're talking about the strength that is within us to stand up against the bad inclination within ourselves. This is what really makes one strong. To fight the temptation, to fight the desire to do something wrong when it is overpowering and all-encompassing. For the alcoholic to refuse the drink, for the smoker to refuse the cigarette, for the person that has an addiction or affliction or has a strong temptation to show up to a group, to show up to support, to find a mentor, to find someone, that's a really strong person. For the overeater to refuse the food, this is what we need to do to fight the good fight, to be really strong people, to stand up every day, day by day, fighting the good inner fight, to be that really strong person you know you could be. You have to shake off the inner turmoil. You have to shake off the inner junk food. You have to clear your soul of the excesses it doesn't need. If you could stand up each day to be a true warrior of Hashem, the whole world could be much better off for it. If you could think of how to be a really strong person, to think where real strength comes from, to how to get rid of that junk, to get rid of those bad habits, to get rid of the stressors, to think about yourself, to tap into the inner resources of power, 
to help you stand up to fight the evil around you, to fight the evil within you. That is a true Gabor. That is a true hero. That is a true person who is really strong. That is someone who is able to get up to, sh to, to shake off all the things around them, to shake off the things that tries to get them down, to make sure that you're strong for yourself, to, to be there for yourself, to make sure to take care of yourself, your spouse, and your kids, to be really strong, to stand up to the influences around you, to stand up to those who want to put you down, have the inner conviction against nasty people in your life who demand an answer, who want an answer, to have the strength to be doing good, to listen to people who have kind deeds, kind words, kind speech from those around you. People around you can give you strength. Role models, examples like the Klosenberg Rebbe, like Rebbe Tzinyongmers, like these amazing people, like Rabbi Sachs, who started with for his yard site, really strong piece of people, really leaders, people who are really strong in their own convictions, people who are really strong getting rid of the bad outlets and having good, healthy outlets tapping into our own function, tapping into our own ability, tapping into having real self-restraint, tapping into be unified and united to have real strength as a nation, real inner conviction, real inner, inner ability to fight the battles within us, the battles around us, that could be a real way to be really strong. That could be a real person to be who is the Chazak, Chazak, Venis Chazak. That could be who the person is so strong to understand that you could stand up to the dilemmas, you could stand up to the things around you, you could be able to be as strong as possible if you just look and tap into the things inside you, get rid of the turmoil, get rid of the junk, clear your way, stand up to be a true warrior of Hashem, and the whole world would be so much better for doing so. This has been the TTL, Tani Talks Life, where we talk a topic procession with some practical lessons. Join us next time, God willing, here on the TTL, and I'm your host, Tani.